Uh, what is up? Welcome to the Hypothetical Comedy Podcast. I am Funky Sam Medina. And I am Athena Rodriguez. And we're here with comedian Ham Clancy. What's Woo. up, Ham? Hey. Well, we were just talking about how I'm, you know, wrapping up my time here in Nebraska. Thank God. So feeling pretty good about that. About to uh, ditch town and get out of here and go back east. So another hour in the time gap between us, but (laughs) (laughs) when, uh, when are you guys moving? Uh, in like two and a half weeks. So, um, I gave my notice to work last night and I didn't cry. If that's what you heard, that's a lie. (laughs) Uh, that didn't happen. So forget what you heard. (laughs) All right. I forgot everything I've heard. Perfect. Wait, who are you again? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yes, my name's Ham, and I live in Nebraska. <laughs> hey, hey, Ham. So, uh, real quick, like uh, we talked about this a little bit off the air, but how did you get the name Ham? You know, Brian actually did this, and it's for a very funny reason. Um, so I am I am married to another comic, much like you two. Um, you know, I broke the number one rule of don't fuck a comic, and here we are. So I am um, also married to a comic, and he had been. Like he was already a touring headliner by the time I did my first open mic, you know? So I actually saw him and I was like, ah, he's so funny. And I wanted to book him to do, you know, my like little peon shows that I was doing in New York at the time. And when we like linked up, became homies, we're doing the road together, et cetera. He was the headliner, right? But his name is Brian Bargainer. And for some reason, even though these places were paying him real American dollars to do comedy, they would always, and I mean, always fuck his name up to the point where it was comical. Like one time we did a show and he was Brian Barbados. Like, wow, (laughs) not even close. And so we would just laugh about that because like my real name is just Kate Clancy. I'm, I've always been like a one namer. Like people call me Kate Clancy because everyone knows a Kate, a Katie, a Katie, you know, whatever with a D like, uh, like every variation, a Kathy, a cat, whatever. But like Kate Clancy is like easy enough to just say in one shot, you never, botch the pronunciation you never botch the spelling so he would edit our flyers so that my name was always fucked up so it would be like dan fancy <laughs> like lamb <laughs> hansy and like you know whatever and then one time he just kept clancy but he just changed my name to ham and everyone was like why does that work so well like i actually really like this one <laughs> and so this Boldilocks, after like four weeks of living together in Connecticut I moved from New York to Connecticut to be with him after we were long distance for a while. And then he had a couple tour dates uh, in Florida that he had to fly down for. And while he was down there, uh, he just got a ham that I had doodled tattooed on his arm. So very bold uh, for such a fresh (laughs) relation, but it worked (laughs) out in the end. So that kind of sealed my fate. And that was um, about like five and a half years ago. So I've just been ham like the lunch meat ever since. <laughs> That's incredible. I had no idea that you had a ham tattooed on him. He sure does. It's right under the abortion falcon. Um, no. He has like a whole sleeve of just his doodles that are based on his jokes. And then the abortion falcon is like, and like, it's <laughs> like, he didn't mean for it to look like this, but I am tickled by the fact that it looks like the abortion falcon's like dropping off a nice, like holiday ham, like, <laughs> <laughs> like a consolation prize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This ought to fill the void. You know, the same, about the same amount. Well, I guess in his defense, he could have easily got to like change it to like a poop or a baby or something. Very true. The- yeah. If anything went south, he could just put it in some swaddling clothes. I guess. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Hell yeah. So are you from New York? I am. I am from New York, born and raised, but 
let's all reel it in a little bit. I sound like a normal person because I <laughs> um, I am from upstate hoity-toity New York. I'm not like, I'm walking in, you know, like I'm not <laughs> that kind of New Yorker. So yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to refer to people from upstate New York, where I'm from, and people from Nebraska, the Dakotas, et cetera, as one people. And that's Cornadian. That is like our lineage. We are polite. We kind of have a bit of a Canadian draw and we just are surrounded by corn. So we are the Cornadian folk of the Americas, as it were. <laughs> corn is pretty tasty. I mean, if you're going to compare to, you know, a food, corn is Never mind. And a very, <laughs> and a very good, and a very good band, and a very good band. <laughs> Corn, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I'm big on following the leader. I don't know. Just, <laughs> it really helps in a corn maze. You know, I think they were on to something. I would be the freak on the leash who would get lost in the corn. So you know. <laughs> Oh, I yeah. guess that all makes sense. Their whole discography is actually making a lot of sense to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> good it's made sense to me for a long time my older brother would have to agree with you he was the um he's like gonna be 40 in december i am gonna be 35 uh in like a minute and a half basically like in a a couple weeks but he was um definitely like old enough to be like really in the thick of it when like corn and limp biscuit and all that new metal was coming around so he definitely donned the red Yankees hat all of Fred Durst. <laughs> and like he went on a um a Catholic mission with my church to St. Louis and spent the entire time just hooking up with girls and having them sign his Fred Durst like little red Yankees hat. And then like <laughs> a true G, he like hung it on his bedpost at home oh and then like God. got a fresh one. And I'm like, you're, <laughs> you're canceled. <laughs> He's so cool. <laughs> like hey probably the coolest kid on the mission trip i don't know i didn't go <laughs> well i had a uh i did actually have a, a red yankees hat as well i bought at the new jersey airport uh oh, nice. nobody signed it nobody signed it well you know it's never it's never too late to just start cl- you could just like be like hey this is a petition to like make limp biscuit limp again or something you know just like some kind of hey you know we want to take or like take back red hats from the maga movement like we're you know like can you sign the hat in an effort to like make you know make red hats limp biscuit again <laughs> hell yeah i'm down for that no take back our power one fashion accessory at a time <laughs> so uh what was like for you growing up in new york Ooh, spicy. Um, it was, it was interesting. Um, I, I actually went to a school that was really small. It started like when I, I went K through 12 there, um, in kindergarten, my graduating class would have been about 60, but by the time I graduated, it was about 130. So it did, it wow. did double, but it's still small. Um, but it's one of those towns that's, uh, directly next to an actually very famous place called Saratoga Springs. Uh, the Traverse Stakes are there, which is a, it's a famous horse racing track, uh, Saratoga race course. And the Travers is like the, the baby horses who go on to run the triple crown. So the baby horses, uh, I mean, like all the big horses also come and race and people bet and, you know, whatever capitalism reigns supreme, but, um, it's, it's known for the Travers Stakes. So it's a very hoity toity, very wealthy city. And then my town was the next town over where like all of the agriculture was, you know, cultivated to support that 
Um, you know, cause like, obviously it takes eight time. I mean, there's, there's a horse called war dancer right now that is, has a residency in Saratoga. That is the horse lives in a mansion. Like you drive past the mansion, you're like, whose house is that? And you're like, that's war dancer's house. And then you notice there is actually a big stable door entering into this mansion. I mean, these horses are worth millions and millions of dollars. They have these huge stables. They, you know, they need all this, uh, this, land to graze on and run on, et cetera. And the little, uh, the poor folk in my town are the ones who got to, you know, do the fun stuff, shovel the poo and, you know, mow the lawn, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I, didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't work in the biz, but yeah, that's, that's New York for you. It is the deep South of the far North is what I like to call it. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is, that is crazy though, that they have horses that have their own mansions. Yeah, it's I've like never you can heard definitely of like look that. up War Dancer's house. It's probably very Googleable. It's huge. It's pretty nuts. But like Sea Biscuit is from Saratoga. Like a lot of like the big ones that you hear about. Um, but you know, that's that's actually where they're from, and that's like what that movie is based on and all that jazz. I never saw it. I just know that. And I'm like, I live it. <laughs> I'm for a movie ticket. This is my life. <laughs> I can't imagine like saying that you like work for a horse, like a literal horse. <laughs> like, how do you like say, Hey, there's a discrepancy on my paycheck. <laughs> like, <Right?"Whoa." laughs> like war dancer didn't give me enough hay. This year. Right. And then he just kicks you in the head. You're right. like, well, you know, I deserve that. You're right. <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> right. Your benefits are just like a few apples. <laughs> That's what I like. So at one point, did you uh, discover and fall in love with stand-up comedy? Well, um, speaking of Saratoga, I um, I started working at this place. So let me let me backtrack by saying I end up doing a lot. Like I I charisma my way into a lot of things that I don't really deserve in life. Um, and teaching paint and sip is definitely one of them. This like this new paint and sip studio opened in Saratoga, and I went. And the teacher who was teaching, she was very timid and kind of like was losing control of like the rowdy crowd and me just being Captain Charisma. I'm just like gassing her up and I'm like, get it shorty. I'm like, you're crushing it. And I was like, how'd you do that tree again? You know, trying to like help. And like, cause like, I know I can paint my mom's a painter and I'm like, just kind of, I'm liking what I'm painting. So I know I can sort of, I don't know, like kind of get the vibe right. Cause I felt bad for her. Um, Cause you're standing on a stage in front of 50 people who are drinking and painting and whatever. And there's lights and you're holding a microphone and you have to be engaging. It's a lot. And um, this girl ends up being my coworker. She's a sweet pea, but she's, she's timid. She ended up getting kind of moved to like the Sunday morning crowd. Um, because when I went there, the owner was like, Hey, uh, do you want to work here? And I'm like, I, sure. And she's like, oh, <laughs> show me your portfolio. And I was like, don't have one of those. Uh, I was like, I just, I don't know. Um, trust me, here's my painting. And so, um, she hired me right away, which was crazy. And I started teaching paint and stuff like five nights a week. And I'm on this stage, the lights and the mic and I'm painting and I crack jokes the whole time. Cause that's just who I am. I was my senior superlative in high school was most likely to appear on Saturday night live. I've always just kind wow. of been like, you know, this like loud, crazy, you know, class clown type, but also turbo nerd with straight A's. So like life's about balance and the, with the two combined like being you know being kind of like a a pretty smart kid I guess like pretty crafty kid and then really charismatic kid sort of like landed me in these spots so then there's this woman who you can look up she's great she's actually you can see her on Netflix right now on Amy Schumer's showcase but her name is Jay McBride and she was the first trans comic I'd ever heard so to hear a trans voice in comedy is awesome because they make jokes that like 
you know, you just never heard before. And it's, it's awesome. It's just like untapped gold mine. And so she and I started doing, well, she was doing art at Trader Joe's and I got hired over there. because I was teaching at the studio and I charisma my way into the manager offering me a job doing art over there. So I was like, okay, cool. So I meet Jay and she's like, I'm leaving because I am really like making it in stand up, and I'm, I'm leaving my art job at Trader Joe's, but like, you are funny and you teach and stuff. You should do stand up. And I'm like, eh, like, let's, you know, I always wanted to, but I don't know, you know, whatever. So I tell my boss this at the studio. I'm like, yeah, Jay McBride. I'm like, she's going to be at comedy works. Like, you know, right, right up the street from the studio. Um, I'm going to go see her. And I, I did, and I loved it. And so then Catherine, my boss at the studio, she scheduled me for a shift that didn't exist. I show up to the studio and she's like, Ooh, no, it's actually, it's open mic night at comedy works. I just wanted you to keep the the night open. You should go over and do it. And so I did, I was like, okay, I'm here and I might as well. And so I went over there and I did it. And, um, accidentally from there got asked to start hosting at the club. Um, so then everybody hated me immediately because I just showed up. I just did what I do. And then the club owner was like, do you want to host? And I'm like, sure. And then I had to Google what that meant <laughs> and how to do it. And I was like, okay, I'm supposed to say their name and shake their hand. Like I was probably terrible at it, but like, I had my little jokey jokes. I, I had my 10 minutes. And so I just accidentally kind of started working a lot in my first year of comedy. And that was that. And that's how I got into funny bone. And that's how I like just kind of started working that circuit and producing my own shows in that art studio. It was called laugh and sip. We did it every Monday, Tuesday when the studio was closed, it sat 50 people. We sold it out both nights and that's that the rest is history. That's freaking wonderful. That is incredible. I love that story. But definitely check out Jay McBride. She is hysterical. She even got to open for Louie on his like comeback at Madison Square Garden. Because he's like, you know, he knows he has a lot of apologizing to do. And what better way than to give women opportunities in comedy, especially trans women. So she got to freaking perform at Madison Square Garden for an entire weekend in front of like tens of thousands of people that's like that's amazing so amazing she is so funny that's like beyond a dream come true right there Mm -hmm. that's like a dream come true and like so much more she's such a baddie seriously and she's so fucking funny and i could shamelessly repeat so many of her jokes to you right now i just (laughs) i love her whole body of work it's fantastic so you have a very unique style because i feel like i mean maybe maybe you know you're just good enough to pull the wool over my eyes but I feel like you can go out there and just like talk about your day and it's hilarious. Like, how did you come up with your writing style? Thank you for that. Um, honestly, I, when I just go off about something, like when something gets me kind of jazzed, I just, I never realized it, but people would just tell me that I have a way of like phrasing things that just makes them laugh. And I'm like, well, I didn't really think about it too much. It's just the way, like, for instance, okay, perfect example. I'm at work the other day. I work at Lazlo's Haymarket. Shout out Lazlo's Haymarket, a casual (laughs) dining establishment in the Midwest. Um, Great place to work. But we had the nozzles for our tea, like our tea urns where we brew our tea in a pitcher. We're soaking them overnight. And somebody went to go grab the water pitcher to go like swing water to the dining room. They almost grabbed that pitcher. And I was like, whoa, nozzle top. Like, you know, (laughs) it's just like little dumb things like that. And so... Um, eventually I just started every time somebody would laugh, I'm like, well, they laughed at that. And I, I would just text it to myself or like make a, I have like a notepad in my phone, you know, and I would just like write those little silly things down. And then when I would go back and think about my day, I would just like remember those lines because I sent them to myself. So it's literally just the way that I say stuff, but I just 
send it to myself so I remember it. And then of course, punch it up, polish it, trim it, you know, and kind of shoehorn it into my existing body and material. And it just has kind of gone from there, but that's sort of always how I've written a joke. Like I'm not a one-liner or anything. I am just a, I'm going to tell you a story, but I'm going to pepper in a bunch of like silly turns of phrase and punchlines, et cetera, and try to paint this picture for you as, you know, as ridiculous as I perceived it in the moment, you know? I sort of just can only talk about real stuff that happened. I don't like invent anything. You know, I embellish, we all do, but I don't invent anything like from thin air. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I don't either. Um, I kind of write my own experiences and like things I say too, but yeah, I really like, I really like your style. You're really funny. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hell yeah. Um, So when did you start painting or art, I guess in general? Honestly, when I got hired, sort of. Okay. Let's take it back to my very poor upbringing. Um, abridged version. Single mom, never met dad. Had a great childhood, though. Awesome artsy mom. And so my like playroom was actually called the art room. It was just a room that had an antique armoire in it that was filled with art supplies. And my mom would buy me, like, for instance, I had a lot of like Barbies and Barbie Dreamhouse, but I would go in and I would like change them. I would like make, I would sew little outfits. I would make little sheets for things. I would paint on the hard plastic of the house to like change it to what I wanted it to be and like change the interior design, etc. So I'd always been a very artsy person and I always loved like art class in school, etc. But I didn't actually start painting until I started teaching people how to paint, which is lunacy, but it's just like, <laughs> It's just something I'm kind of hardwired to do, I guess. Like my mom is a great painter. She always did it as kind of just like her, you know, like just passion project, her hobby. She also loved doing macrame and stuff like that. She's a real hippie. So I just kind of followed in her footsteps in that regard. And yeah, then all of a sudden I find myself teaching And the more I taught, the more I actually like kind of taught myself because I would look at the example painting I had to teach before a class and be like, oh, I wonder how I would do that. And then how I would explain that to somebody. And sometimes I would take like a stick, you know, at my very shitty, serious day job that I was uh, mailing it in at. And I would sit there and I doodle the shape in like very rudimentary shapes to kind of be like, okay, if I knew nothing about how to paint this lighthouse or whatever, how would I break it down? You know? And so I just kind of like learned how to break it down into little rectangles, squares, triangles, circles, whatever. And then how to sort of like very gently outline that into the proper shape. So that's sort of how I learned how to, how to do it. And over time, I've gotten a lot better at it to the point where like, now I can paint portraits and stuff. It just sort of like evolved from there, but I didn't know anything about it. It's the same with like, I do really um, bold makeup looks, but I never thought about doing makeup until a couple years ago when somebody said to me like, Hey, you can definitely do makeup. It's just a 3d canvas. And that canvas is your face. And I'm like, that's smart. I never thought about that. And then like oh, that wow. day I did an eye beat and I was like, Oh, I don't like it. Like I thought I didn't know how to do anything. I don't know. So I just like, <laughs> if somebody just like tells me, Hey, you can do this. It's easy. Probably. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, but you're probably right. Let's try it. <laughs> oh, I like that outlook. It's it. I think it it helps you um, take on challenges a little bit uh, more fluidly, if that makes any sense. I don't know. Yeah. What that is. Someone else's like vote of confidence being like, hey, you should or you could do this makes me feel like, yeah, like not only do I like do I hear you, 
but now I kind of don't want to let you down. I want to be like, <laughs> like I'll, I'll try it. And if I stink at it, we'll both laugh. Like it'll be funny. But if I don't, then I feel like, like it's validating for that person. Like they saw something that I didn't see. And then I always, like, I just always and forever give credit back to that person. Like Catherine, who owns the paint and sip in Saratoga, I always say like, she, she changed my whole life. Like when she hired me, I was a hundred pounds heavier. Um, I had, I did not have the confidence. I had. I was a confident person, but not like as outgoing as I am now. Um, and her like putting me up in front of those people and them taking so well to me and being so like enthusiastic to come back to my class. And like, it just made me feel like, you know what? I can do stand up. And then I did. And then they took to me well there. And I was like, you know what? I can do this, that, and the third, because like, I just have this confidence. So when I lost, this is actually very funny. When I first started doing stand up, I immediately got into roast battling um, because we actually had a team in Albany, New York, like in the scene that I started in that would battle other teams in other regions of New York. Who, like, oh, the, that's like, cool. who's the best. And so I had just started and I'm like, I want to be good at this. So here I am, 100 pounds heavier than I am now. So I was about like, you know, like 240, um, you know, not big, but like, you know, definitely bigger than I am now. And of course, the easiest thing for it was mostly men as comedy is you know, so it was mostly men I was going against. And the easiest jokes for them was like to just make jokes about my weight. And then when I would go for their soul, then like <laughs> I would crush them. Cause like, you know, like people weren't willing to be like, you know, cause I, I was, you know, I was bigger, but I wasn't like, you know, I, like, I don't think that's a punchline, you know, like, I just don't think, I think that everyone's fine and valid in whatever body they're in. Who gives a shit? Like, I want to hear about like your third divorce, bro. Like, or whatever. Like, I want to come for your throat right now. So then I was like, Hey, wouldn't it be funny if I make the team and then like through the qualifiers, like beat everybody, make the team. And then when we battle that other team, I'm skinny and all their jokes like fail really miserably. So I lost a hundred pounds in 10 months. Cause I was like, I can't do that. Whoa. So, yeah. So I lost a hundred pounds in 10 months by doing keto and fasting. And then when I show up and these guys only have bad jokes against a girl who at the time, like it was, it wasn't the full 10 months when that battle was, it was like six months later. So I had already lost like about like 65, 70 pounds. So here I am at like, maybe like a size eight and they're like, you're fat. And like the audience is like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> And so, needless to say, I did quite well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that, that you lost weight just to fuck with people's minds. I thought it'd be funny. I was like, hey, just write better. You know, like, next time. Yeah. I was Because I, I told them, I was like, there's a thousand things to go after me for. Trust me. There's there's so much. I'm like, but. Right. Low-hanging crazy. fruit, right? Exactly. Yeah. Work a little harder. Fruit. Well, I, I actually was thinking about joining Roast Battles recently, uh, but I'm kind of on the fence about it. Because I don't know if I'll be good at it and I might get my feelings hurt. They well, might call me fat, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like when roast battling, like, of course, people are going to say stuff and you're like, yikes, like, you you got me there. But, like, Brian, um, my husband, when he was roast battling, he was doing, like, when I was doing these silly little ones upstate, he was doing the big ones in New York City, like, roast masters with, like, you know, um, gosh, like, Rich Voss and, like, Sal Volcano and, like, you know, all those guys judging it. And, um, you know, that's a oh. lot of pressure because yeah. you're, like, at, like, the stand and it's, you know, it's gas digital and it's, like, this iconic thing. And so, actually, he, when we were just friends, he had come to me for some help on writing these roast jokes against people. So, I was watching my jokes that he was using, like, do really well in these. And I'm, like, I think I could hold my own. And his 
defense mechanism those like when people would hit him with a really good one like um i'll give you a few that like made him laugh like they because he was also 100 pounds heavier he's also lost a ton of weight since being with me but when he was at, at his fighting weight um people would hit him with lines like you know rage against the vending machine or like mm-hmm. bob ross with a happy little thyroid problem like you know all this stuff <laughs> and he would laugh like because he was just like it's funny so like when they would hit him with a like one that was really good and poignant and like cut him deep he laughs it off really hard. And then he just says, um, our, our number one method of winning roast battles, uh, cause we actually as a tag team, we're the reigning tag team champs in, wow. in his home state of Connecticut. Our thing is we say thank you. And then we hit them with a line, uh, like a mean name back, like thank you, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, it can be anything. It can be like, um, to steal one from like Archer, for instance, like an iconic one when Archer calls Pam snacky Onassis, like that would be a good, you know, like, like one of those little funny, like Nick, so it'd be like, thank you, blah, blah, blah. And then hit them with the joke. So like you get to burn them when you thank them for burning you and then double down with a good roast joke. So if you're looking for advice on how to slaughter someone, that is pretty effective. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is pretty effective. I never thought you'd be the one to go to for slaughtering advice. <laughs> well, you know, I am ham. Um, I am a pork based product. So I do a lot of <laughs> slaughterhouses and, you know. It's true. That's true. Uh, so you said that you, you met Brian and then you moved to Connecticut to, to be with him. What was that like for you going from New York to Connecticut? Well, um, it's funny. I've been talking about this a lot lately because I'm sad to be leaving where I'm at because I haven't been here that long. But when I left New York, I actually didn't feel like sad at all because I had been long distance with him for a long time at that point. So I'd already been really used to making that long, you know, trek there and back. And so I knew I'd be around, you know, I'm like, I, and also these are my lifelong friends and family. I'm like, you're not going anywhere. You wish you could, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you wish you could get rid of me that easily. Um, but it ain't happening. But when I left Connecticut to move to Nebraska, it was hard. Cause it, you know, I had made some really good friends in the, you know, about two and a half ish years we lived there, but I was afraid that that wasn't enough time to forge those friendships you know, like in a, in a solid enough manner that, um, that they wouldn't fall to the wayside when I moved away or that they wouldn't like forget about me. But, um, thanks to zoom and things like that. Um, it honestly, that never came true. Like all my friends that I made in Connecticut have still been there and I still see them, you know, like y'all know a lot of them, Eric Pumpkins, Dave Sheehan, et cetera. They just still come and hang out on zoom and like, I'll see him again soon. I'm moving, you know, to the Pittsburgh area in a couple of weeks. And then I get to drive just a few hours to Connecticut for, you know, my best friend's wedding in October and I'll see them all again. So it like, it it wasn't that hard to leave New York, but I think every time I make big moves in life thereafter, it gets harder because I, I do have that fear that the relationships that I've poured into in the time that I'm there might fall to the wayside. But I just think the world's a little different now. I think that we all have this connectivity now that we didn't have before. So it softens the blow, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, So when you got to Connecticut, is that when you, uh, were you inspired to do paint the town rad from your paint and sip? Yeah. So I, um, I had taught at Catherine's studio for about five years before I moved. Um, and I'd been doing comedy and stuff, you know, for, for that time. And then when I moved to Connecticut, I started working at one right down the street from where Brian and I lived and it was run horribly, um, by a mother daughter combo that like really didn't know what they were doing. Catherine really cracked the code. She had a liquor license. We had a bar, et cetera. This other studio was like BYOB. So like, there's your margins. Like that's where you make your profit is off your booze. It's like a restaurant. Like you want your booze to carry 
because like on food, you lose money sometimes and you're, you make peace with that. Um, so that it doesn't go totally to waste. You do specials, et cetera, to like, just kind of move the product even at a loss, but liquor is always, it's evergreen. It's always going to be, you know, a hundred percent profit basically after the first like two drinks you pour, you know, you pour like two drinks that pays for the bottle and then everything else thereafter is just money in the bank. So they weren't doing that. And then, um, when COVID set in, which was just very shortly after I'd started working there, um, I was like, you know what? I know all the things they're doing incorrectly. I've known it all along. They had to shut their studio down immediately when COVID hit. They, they, they didn't have enough money to survive even like a week without classes happening. And so, I said to myself, like, I could do it if only I had, you know, like the startup cost to, to get it running. So what I did was I had gotten an, I earned a bonus at work. It was small. It was a thousand and after taxes, it was like 700. And in a state as expensive as Connecticut, that's not even like half your rent. Right. But I took that $700 and I turned it into paid the town rent. I bought just the base level of supplies that I needed. And I was doing online stuff. I was like um, donating kits to essential workers and people who had lost their jobs who just needed like a pick me up um, because I had that little extra money. And I was like, I know I can make this work, but I also, it's not really about making money. I just really love what I do and I'm sad I can't do it anymore. So I really was not money motivated, but a country club, like when, when the world started to slightly reopen and we could do outside stuff, this country club in Connecticut had a paint and sip that bailed on them. They had it already paid. Like all their members had paid the fee and it was like 50, I think it was 51 people had paid and they were going to take the class. Now here's the thing in studio, it's like 35 bucks a head. And when you do travel events, it's like 40 bucks a head. Typically that's like the industry standard. Um, but this country club, they have no concept of money. And these people had already agreed to pay $45, um, for the event. And they were providing a lot of the stuff already because like the tables, chairs, everything. I didn't have to like buy all that stuff. They already had it. So when they contacted me and they're like, can you do an event? Cause like they knew about my zoom classes. Um, and they're like, could you do an event in person outside for these people? They already paid and these people bailed on us. And after I did the map, I'm like, that is a $1,200 profit after I've paid for all the, the materials, et cetera. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, I think I could do it. I mean, I guess, you know, whatever. So I was visiting my mom in New York when they contacted me and the event was in three days. And so I hit every Michaels on the way from New York back to Connecticut to buy enough easels that like, you know, the little like collapsible easels that I was using because each store only carries a certain amount. And I didn't have time to order them online but I'm a big fake until you make it gal, like everything else. So I was like, yeah, I could do that. So I bought like the brushes and easels at every Michael's on my way. I had just enough to do the event. I show up, I do it. I profit 1200 bucks. And then I turn around and I buy tents, tables, benches, et cetera. And we just took it big from there. And we got consistent bookings at that country club. So that payday kept coming and coming and coming. And that's how I was able to turn it into a huge charity initiative and do a lot for my community after, because the money was good and I didn't need it. You know, I just, I just wanted to, to feel good. So I was able to do like a lot for my community. So that's kind of what it turned into. Wow. That is rad. That is, that is really <laughs> rad. Thanks. <laughs> I well, in Nebraska, they're like, children. what's that? I, I also, I think um, that you also made like uh, kits for children too, to be able yeah. to participate. And I thought that was really rad too, because some kids aren't the, um, you know, athletic type and they yeah, want something myself that they can like bond with. So that was cool. 
Definitely. Yeah, we did. Um, and when we moved into our lake house, which was for one year before we moved here, um, we had the best landlord in the world. And we had this like huge backyard that had like this big deck. And on the deck, there was a hot tub that I was able to like put this like, um, this like cool sparkly tablecloth on top of and put like a little snack bar on and like the deck had like seating and stuff. And then I put a ton of tents and tables, benches, lights, et cetera, all in the tents. And I actually did birthday parties for children at no cost. They were children who, you know, like, and that's what like gets me eh, like, please don't make me cry. I'm glad this is audio only, but like, um, that was a big motivator. I grew up super poor. And I know that that was like, um, tough, like birthday parties are expensive and they just keep yeah. getting worse, like Instagram and, you know, parents feeling like they're not enough because parents are doing these crazy elaborate things for each and every, you know, time a kid sneezes, they're like, well, you know, she sneezed, so we're going to throw a themed party, you know, like whatever. And it's like, like whatever, it's just, so it's just so over the top. So I just wanted to do something for kids that, you know, would feel left out by that. And so that's a big way that we spent a lot of that money was doing um, free birthday parties for children. And um, we also auctioned off all the examples. I have to paint an example and then paint along. Um, So then I end up with duplicates of every painting. So then we raffled off all of the duplicates um, in an online auction and um, fulfilled, oh, this is where I get like weepy, but like we fulfilled all of the like shopping lists for parents who were out of work and didn't have groceries and diapers for their children um, on a referral basis. And then my best friend, Nikki, who owns her own Remax company, um, she is like the entrepreneur from heaven above. And she and I did it together. We went out and we bought all the stuff and then we hauled it all into my house, sorted it all, bagged it all up. And this was all in one day. And then we went out and took like multiple carloads all over this town that we lived in, in Connecticut and hand delivered them uh, to everybody. So that was, um, that was another way that we like burned through that money. Cause like, I, I can't stress it enough. It was, it was never about the money. It doesn't, it didn't have to be, I had a, a job working for, you know, real estate, um, mortgage and insurance company that paid me plenty. So it was really just about like using art that I love so much that did so much for me as a person and built my confidence and, you know, and made me do all these things in life I would have never done. And I just wanted to turn around and, you know, give back just what I could. And that felt like a great way to do that. And that's great. I, I feel like uh, when you do stuff like that, it you never know what it's going to inspire the person you're helping out to do as well, like who they inspire. And it just comes like into a ripple effect. And of course, that's not why you're doing it. But it's really cool to see what comes of it in terms of, you know, making an impact on people in your environment and how well you can, you know, lift people up just by being you. I agree. And, you know, I actually did a, um, I did a lot of fundraiser classes online and one of them was for, um, Jane Doe No More, which is for um, women who have been sexually assaulted. It's a support group for them. And when I was teaching this, this group, this one woman, she was, she did an exceptional job on her painting and she was very sweet. And I, got to hear her story because I, um, they like, let me kind of, you know, sit in on some of their meetings and stuff. And, um, you know, cause like I, I had a lot of trauma of my own. And so I, I fit in well with the group and, and had some to contribute and also, you know, an ear to listen. And when I heard her story and I remember how good of a painter she was before I left Connecticut, I actually gifted her, um, all of my original easels that I bought. I bought some metal ones that were a little lighter and easier for me to move, um, that fit in like a storage tub 
love that I needed it to fit in to move from a two bed house to a one bedroom apartment. So I gave her all of my wood and my classic easels. Um, I gave her all of my suppliers information for like where I get all the supplies for cheap, um, how to barter those deals. And then I actually gave her all of my contacts, like at that country club and the other places where I was actually making money. And, um, gave it to her. And I told her, I was like, you know, people might look to you for charity work because I did a lot of it. You're not obligated to do that, but like, this can change your life, like in a, you know, from a financial landscape, you know, perspective. And so I gifted her all of that through the person who runs the group, uh, Jane don't know more. And, um, yeah. So then she got to take it over from there. So it like, I, ugh. Sorry. I feel like that made a, you know, a lasting impact on her life as well. And also it made it so that like other people didn't have to be without this thing that they really liked just because I wanted to move. They didn't have to miss out. So yeah. A lasting impact on the community. Yeah. So the hits keep coming. So it's pretty cool. You know, I guess like my life's not all like jokey jokes, but you know, they, they definitely make it so that I don't get all weepy all the time. So that's (laughs) not balance. (laughs) I love that though, because you said you kind of just, charisma your way into that position to, to begin with and yeah. then you end up leaving this this monster that you just built yeah and i i miss it but i'm really excited to say that when i move it's going to come back in the in the capacity that it was you know before that it existed in before um i've gotten hired at this place um in my new town that is a huge it's like where i work now sort of um it's like just a huge restaurant and distillery uh, but it's also a wedding venue and they have a beautiful place that they've been trying they said to me when they they reached out they were like Listen, they, they only reached out to my landlord owns, a, he's a half owner of this restaurant. He reached out for verification of income from my current restaurant job. And instead of my boss just saying, yes, Ham works here and makes the money she says she works. He instead gave me this like glowing review as a human being. And then so my boss was like, hey, I know that you're just looking for a house, but would you like a job too? And I'm like, yeah. So then I show wow. up and I like sign my lease and I go there and they are like, already ready to put me on the schedule but they said to me they're like we want you to bartend and serve here because we need help but we also really want you to do paint and sip here we've been looking for someone for a long time and haven't found anybody um and also we've been trying to hire comedians for the longest time and we don't know where to start so i'm like okay so i'm going to be like your event coordinator for the fun stuff um and do you know bartending and serving so i literally just feel like i hit the lottery i just i don't know (laughs) Yay, congratulations. Thank you. I'm, wow. I'm so beside myself. And it makes me feel stupid for how sad I feel about leaving. Um, Lincoln, I, I really liked Lincoln, but only for one reason. And it's because I'm obsessed with my restaurant job. It's all I talk about in my stand-up now. It's my favorite place to mine material. It. I work with the greatest people on earth. I swear, I, I don't know where this restaurant found so many incredible human beings and then got them all on the same schedule. But I am so infinitely blessed to have them in my life and I'm going to miss them so terribly. But like, I'm like, girl, stop being stupid. Cause like you're going to something great. Like stop being weepy over a restaurant in the Midwest. Why are you like this? <laughs> <laughs> and you have another big restaurant waiting for you. That's yeah. incredible. That's Greg's karma. Right the new restaurant chores. <laughs> it's coming back to you. It's coming back to you. You know, like a beast, like a beast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Do you ever feel like because um, when you move to a certain place, you're trying to make it feel more homey. So you try to like build a connection. And that's why sometimes you feel a little sad leaving. 
Maybe I think so. Like when I moved to Lincoln, I had high hopes. Um, the comedy scene here is, is very, very, very small. And unfortunately, you know how comedy scenes are. There's always a lot of infighting and stuff. And so it was small and people were like trying to compete with other people with their shows. And I'm like, comedy, it doesn't compete with other comedy. Comedy competes with all other forms of entertainment. Know your enemy. You know, your enemy is not the person running an open mic on the other side of town. Your enemy is the Barbie movie or, you know, or bowling or, you know, like, like things that people want to go to laser tag, you know, whatever. Like that's what you're competing with. You're not competing with other comedy. You want the next person's show to be just as good as yours, if not better. So that if somebody wanders off the street and hands the door person $5 and for the first time to see comedy live for the very first time, you want to make sure they fall in love with it. Even if you're not on that show so that when you are on a show, they're going to give that $5 to the door guy at your show. Mm -hmm. So I built, um, I actually took my paint the town rag website and, um, because it was like a, you know, fully functioning business website, but I, um, created a QR code that led to one specific page on the site that actually listed all of the shows going on in Lincoln and like a little bit about each comic and why they're great. And then I made business cards. Um, I printed off like 500 business cards on Vistaprint and I gifted them to every comic in the scene and said, hand these out because people can scan the QR code and you can tell them I am, I'm on these shows. You can find them here, but what they're also going to find is everyone else's shows. And then they can take it from there, you know, because if, if your show's doing better then my show's going to do better. So we, we tried doing that. Um, just unfortunately, a lot of these shows have, have, come and gone because the venues have, have shut down and you know or comics just don't want to participate etc you know whatever it is but I, I always try you know like whatever is there I try to shine it up and you know make yeah. it the best that it can be and I, I try to do that with everything that I do like I I could be I, I do work with a couple of people who hate their job everyone on earth like is, is allowed to have their own opinion on their job but I feel like I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work every time I'm scheduled. I'm like, I'm so excited. Like, I can't wait to turn <laughs> off the workflows. And it, it's because like your mindset, I think is really half the battle. You know, like if you think that your job stinks, it's gonna, if you think yeah. that your comedy scene stinks, it's gonna like it. But if you think it's great, it can be. And if you love your job, it can be anything you want it to be, you know, sky's the limit. And I think that's why, you know, not to, not to brag, but like I make a ton of money at this restaurant. <laughs> Cause like people just, they tip that. Cause like, I'll just say whatever to tables. And like, I just, just, I don't know. I vibe with them and hand to God, you're welcome to look it up. If you looked up Lazo's Haymarket and you look at the reviews, sort them to the newest ones. Cause I've only been at that location for six months. I transferred a few months ago. Anytime it mentions a server being like extra or whatever, it's your girl. It's always like, hey, like one of the reviews even says, ham, like the lunch meat was our server. <laughs> I introduce myself. I go up to tables. I say, Hey folks, how are we doing tonight? My name's Ham. Like the lunch meat. I'll be taking care of you this evening so that they don't think I'm a Pam or a Sam. That's a very different energy. You know, I am a ham. And so they're going to know about it, but I'm telling you, are a, they, you are a ham. They're into it. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I feel like it's you and Brian do so much stuff and it's so wild. Cause I was telling Brian this, um, I think um, when we were interviewing him that, uh, he was doing these like um like brain soup or thought soup thing and he was going through yours and his like schedule where you were working shifts how many like hours you work a day like just your lives and how much work you guys do and then to hear you say oh and then I put in a little extra effort and making these cards to make the comedy scene that is just amazing to me because 
it's, it's so much energy. It's so much. Yeah. Ever since we got sober, I think that, uh, like when we gave up alcohol, we also gave up sleep. I feel, um, (laughs) like I'm sober from sleep and booze for five years now. Um, cause like, I just feel like I always want to be doing something. I always want to have something going on. And because I just feel like you only get one shot at this, you know, you might as well make every millisecond count. And there's definitely times where I just sit on the couch and binge watch 90 day fiance. I'm not going to say that I don't, (laughs) but while I do that, I'm usually working on a painting or I'm usually like, you know, I'll, I'll have like my makeup set about here and I'm like doing my eye beat for the day while it's on in the background. Like I'm always kind of doing two things at once. And, um, so when people talk to me, it's like, I have a lot of the, the young kids at work, um, they forget how old I am uh, because I, I do kind of, I look young for a 30 something. Um, I tend to fit in with the 20 somethings pretty decently. And so I'll be like, Oh yeah, I've been doing this for this many years or this or this. And they're like, well, wait a minute. Didn't you like, cause I, you know, worked in like the, you know, financial services arena for 13 years. And they're like, well, wait a minute. And they like kind of get their fingers out and try to do that. I'm like, well, you know, I was also, I was teaching during that time. Like I did that at night and like, I also bartended at night at this place. And I also, you know, did this and this, because even when I visited our new town that we went to um, recently, got our house, I got that job, you know, offered to me, but also I went into Goodwill. Um, I was just looking for a little table for my bathroom. Um, and so I, I had my mom on the phone and I'm like, just telling her about the town, driving around, whatever. And I'm like, mom, I'm in this Goodwill, I'm looking for a table, whatever. I see the little shorty pops in their work and I'm like, hey, girly, you know, whatever, talking to them. And when I checked out, they literally are like, like, you're moving here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be living here in like three weeks. So like, do you want to work here? And I'm like, maybe, you know, cause like I just got this other, I'm like, maybe, I don't know. And then like, we went to this other bar to set up, um, karaoke and trivia and when we're sitting down with that guy he's like do you want to bartend here i'm like maybe i don't know like, <laughs> i'm kind of big on just being like okay, yeah like we'll, we'll see what happens sure like let me see how busy i am and if i have a night free like i'll let you know and i'll pop over and do it like hmm. well you've been offered three jobs you don't even live there yeah <laughs> like literally that's like my most toxic trait is just like no people are like do you want besties i'm like okay like, like, you know, whatever I'm like yeah whatever that's cool i like how your most toxic trait is just c- complete positive energy that's what i say i have toxic positivity <laughs> i love it i love it that's awesome do you uh do you have a couple of fun stories about working in restaurants because i know you have probably have a million oh sure sure um I'll try to, I'll try to think of one that's like not a bit yet. Cause like a lot of the ones I, I like, like to move into, you know, the stand up arena and kind of polish them up. But I have a few that are really touching. Um, like just so funny though. Okay. Actually here, let me tell you about a time I bombed at a table that wasn't mine. Oh, and yes, then I'll tell please. you about a time that I could have gotten fired for something that I did, but it worked out well. I and mean, neither one of these are bits. So that, that feels less hack. Um, okay. So the time I bombed at a table, I laughed until I cried. I had brought out food um, to this girl's table and it was, um, I am known for being able to, I can out carry all the boys that work and carry nine plates at the same time, like all stacked up. And it's like my, it's my like showstopper. People love, like they get excited. They love to see it. So I bring out all this food and I'm doling it out to them. And then of course, every time there's going to be one person who's like, actually, can I get a flight of ranch? And then I have to be like, we don't have ranch. We have a house dressing called creamy garlic. It's ranch adjacent. I can bring it to you. Right. So they, I ask for the creamy garlic. I go to the 
back were out of ramekins because our dishwasher was broken that day. So the dishwashers were washing everything by hand and ramekins had stacked up. They were just trying to get plates clean, you know, to get food out and silverware clean. Those are the top priorities. So we have takeout ramekins, like disposable ones. So I put the creamy garlic in that. I still put it on an appetizer plate and I bring it over and I say to them, I say, hey, because all the ramekins I brought out in round one were the real ones. So I'm like, hey, sorry about the disposable ramekin. Our dishwasher's broken today. The machine, not the person, he's in great spirits, all things considered. <laughs> and they did not even smile. They did not find it funny at all. They, it was like his name was Ken Moore and he was a broken dishwasher. Like they were like, like they were so upset he spaghetti that like, because they didn't get it. And I couldn't get off the floor fast enough because I had to laugh. So I laughed until I cried. My manager, Spencer, was like, Cam, what is wrong? And I'm like, I can't even breathe right now. This is so funny because it's not my table. And they're like, what the fuck is wrong with this <laughs> So long story short, I followed up with the server whose table it was. They tipped her fat. It was fine. Like I didn't ruin their experience or anything, but they just did not get the joke. It was so funny. But then... This is the time I could have gotten fired. Um, there's one table in the restaurant that's really big that the head wait that's on staff that night gets to serve because it's bigger money. And um, I didn't happen to look at how, because it's a it's a 15 top. And at that 15 top, one of the owners was sitting there, um, Eric Schaefer. And I didn't realize Schaefer was there because I didn't look up. I was just dropping off the first nine plates for this 15 top. And I had someone behind me with the rest of them. So I'm just focusing on getting the food down. So I reach, there's a very, like the world's oldest woman, a fossil sitting at C3. And I go to put her food in front of her and she's like, what? And like turns around and she smacks this little plate that has her salsa on it. And the salsa spills on the floor. And so I just like, I'm passing out the plates. And I'm like, grandma spilled some salsa. And I'm putting down like, hey, grandma spilled some salsa. And I put down the last bit like, grandma spilled some salsa on the floor and like whatever. And I was like, but it's okay. And I was like, I'll be right back. And I go and I grab a rag and I wipe it off, but there's a little bit on the table. And then I go, ooh, because I didn't really, I had already gotten rid of the rag and there's a little there. And I was like, here, we'll just put this salsa on top, the fresh one on top. Like it never, like it never happened. But then our general manager pulls me aside and she's like, hey, I just got a text from Eric Schaefer. And she's like, did you sing about grandma spilling salsa? At table <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And then she's like, well, Eric had some things to say about that. And I'm like, oh, and she's like, and fortunately for you, he thinks you're fucking hilarious. You loved it. And I was like, I didn't even notice that an owner was sitting there because I would have done that regardless. Like if somebody orders a tuna melt, I go, hot tuna with melted cheese. Um, <laughs> with nooks and crannies, you know, because it's not a muffin. Like I just, shit, I don't care. Tables are typically charmed by my whimsy, but I totally could have gotten shit canned right then and there. For like roasting this woman to death over the salsa. But it was like, it was just a perfect parody. I had to take the moment. I had to do it. Oh my gosh. I bet I bet your tables are just in stitches the whole time that you're there with them. I'm telling you, look up the reviews. Oh, you look right now. No, I'm just kidding. I just I just say whatever. Like, you know, just I have like all these dumb little things locked and loaded, you know? Like we have we sell lavashes. They're like a thin cracker crust pizza and like they have Havarti cheese on and people are like, what comes out of the lavash? Like, well it's not a party without Havarti. Let's start there. You know, I'm like let's build it up. It's like all these little like snappy things. But like at the end of the day, I know that menu forwards and backwards actually do have helpful stuff to 
to tell you, but I'm going to package it the way I want to package it. And like, we're a brewery, like we brew all of our own beers and um, we have like our most popular one. That's the easiest drinking is called Chaco Canyon gold. And people are like, what's that one? Like, I'm like, well, Chaco Canyon gold begs the question. What of course light had a slightly better personality and a touch of honey. And they're like, I'll take it. And then they sip it. And I'm like, that's exactly what that tastes like. <laughs> Slay. And also I've never tasted it because I don't drink, but I bartend there. And I just like, I gather what people say about it and I kind of compile my own reality. And then that's what I tell tables. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. Man, you were going to rock that place in Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. I can't wait. I can't, I can't wait, wait for you either. I can't wait either for you. <laughs> that's so exciting. Thanks. I'm, I'm very excited. Hell yeah. What an exciting new adventure. Oh man. Wow. And a much welcomed one. I'm very excited to be just like, I mean, I know it sounds like a lot, but like I'm only like six and a half hours away from home. Like that's a quick drive in my book. Cause when I was long distance with Brian, it was seven hours round trip to see him and I was doing it three days a week. So, you know, like six and a half in one direction. I'm like, I, I might not even have to stop to pee. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Do that, you know? <laughs> just give yourself 10 years. You'll be stopping a... <laughs> Every hour to pee. I know. Well, when I travel with Brian, he pees like every 27 minutes. So I'm like, oh I can, I can, I can relate. I can relate. Is that why, is that why you guys recently traveled uh, separately? You know, that's part of it. That was a fun video. That was really fun though, because he kept bumping into you. Yeah. Like I would stop to get, you know, like coffee. I'm a big like caffeine addict, but also our, both of our cars, like we have a a Fiat and a Spark. And so they're both very small. So they only hold about eight gallons of gas. So we do kind of have to stop like pretty regularly for that. And so he was actually what we call Brian Goodbladder. He was Brian Goodbladder for the first two stops because he was meeting up with me because he was actually not peeing and just stopping when he needed gas. And we just so happened to pick the same gas station the first two times. So that was me. Oh my gosh. And then I really loved, um, Brian had uploaded uh, <laughs> this really cool clip of him trying to do comedy while you were watching TV. Oh, that was I hilarious. love that one. I yeah. love that. <laughs> I just, I love your reaction to it. That's like that one. He like he warned me that it was gonna happen. Um, sometimes he doesn't. Uh, but he told me about that one because he wanted to make sure we didn't get flagged because of the the media in the background. You know, so I have to like bump it down enough so that we don't get like Sony, you know, taking our video down. But he does that a lot. Like he'll pick me up from work. Um, because like I'll just have him drop me off because where I work is downtown, where there's like um like right now Hamilton is in town at the Lead Center, and then there's like Pinnacle Bank Arena, which is a huge like that's where like you know. Um, like the Taylor Swift type of acts are going to go like the people who can, you know, sell it out. Um, And so like, it's just mayhem down there between like the, that theater, that arena, and then all the smaller theaters. There's like the Rococo theater. There's like a bunch of performance spaces, the bourbon theater. So like there's, there can be five or six major events going on in town, which is why our restaurant is so busy. Um, So I'll just have him drop me off. But when he picks me up, I will come outside and sometimes he's already out there with a speaker. And like the other day I come out and people are handing him 20 bucks. Cause he's been like crowd working people on the sidewalk and they're paying him. And I'm like, what the <laughs> and like my coworkers come out and they're tickled by it. So they'll stick around. He'll like do crowd work on them. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just worked a 13 and a half hour shift. I'm just like, oh. But this is fun. I guess I'm in like, <laughs> let's do it. So yeah, there's absolutely never a dull moment. That's for sure. No, never, never a dull moment. That's that's one good way to put it. 
yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Ham. It's been awesome talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was this was a great time and honestly really eye opening. I didn't realize how much stuff I've got going on. I'm like, geez, I really gotta get organized and get ready to rip. Jeez You're like, please. I just realized that I'm tired. <laughs> uh, do you? Uh, before we get out of here, uh, is there a few things that you want to to manifest for your time in uh, Pennsylvania, comedy wise or career wise? Definitely, my my dream in comedy. I I will say this: I never, I never, ever, ever want notoriety or fame. That's never been my thing. I want to be able to never wear a bra or makeup when I grocery shop. I'm really <laughs> into that. So um, I don't want a lot of attention outside of um, the little things that I do. But what I would ideally like to see happen is, um, you know, I I love that Brian and I both are equally booked as headliners. I think that's great. But my whole goal is like I just want him to get all of these headlining gigs. And I just want to feature for them. I just want to be along for the ride, do my quick 20 and get out of there. I'm good with that. I'm always appreciative when people do book me to do 45 or an hour. I really, you know, I really, of course, am appreciative of that. I won't like, you know, uh, poo poo it by any means, but um, I always do insist that he features for me on those nights. Um, Cause I just love doing it together. So that's basically my thing is like, you know, big fish, small pond. That's what I would like to see happen. Um, but it would be nice to be able to go like into Pittsburgh, or up into Erie and stuff and do, um, you know, some of, some of those shows with those cats and kind of get to know them. And I just really want to make, you know, I just want to make a whole bunch of new friends in that area and, you know, see what their motivations are and kind of help them get to where they want to be. Cause I feel like I kind of am where I am comfy and where I like to be. And I'm content with that. I feel like, you know, expectation leads to disappointment. And I, I, I just learned to never expect anything from life and just whatever comes your way, just say sure or maybe at least you know and just kind of see what happens from there so I'm just excited to see what gets tossed my way and what I can say yes to and take it from there hell yeah hell yeah you want to plug in social media <laughs> I have no social media that's what no, I'm that's social media. That's true. Hey, so that's I'm such a happy person <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely but you can catch me via text anytime just hit me up ask me my number I'm a big time texting gal you can hit me up anytime <laughs> hell yeah you can follow me at funky samadina across the board and I'm at she shines for you all spelled out no numbers and everything else is at hypothetical comedy awesome ham thank you so much thanks guys